Welcome to the Raising Successful Kids podcast. This is a podcast where we will discuss and explore how to raise children to be successful in all areas of their life. Irene Santanier is a working mum of an entrepreneurial child and shares a passion with her husband to see children succeed. And now, introducing your host, Irene Santanier. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Raising Successful Kids. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope that I can add some value to you as you think about raising kids to achieve success or that you're actually on the front line living with kids who are experiencing success or striving towards that. It can be a bit of a minefield, you know, being a parent or a carer working with children, um, especially in this digital virtual world that we all now inhabit. Um, And it can be even more of a minefield when you factor in a desire to coach your children to success or balance having a successful entrepreneurial driven child in your family. So today, this is going to be a quick podcast with five tips um, to assist you in being supportive. Tip one, think about staying relevant in your children's lives. I think one of the hardest things to adjust to as children grow up is that you go from being their whole world to sharing that top spot with others. It's not a new thing, but it's new to those around now. As they grow up, many parents become concerned that the nature of their relationship changes and what that actually means is something along the lines it can be that you're drifting apart. So how can you stay in touch with these almost grown-up people? How do you ensure that you maintain a strong relationship that can cope with the ebbs and flows of life and the ebbs and flows of their lives? They don't need me or us in the same way that they did. How do we all deal with that? What are the essential principles of life that you want your child to know? And how will you transfer those principles to them in the best possible way? What can you do to remain relevant? Well, a good place to start is to learn about the world that they inhabit. Study it. Read articles out there, subscribe to blogs, read books, listen to audibles and look for patterns that show what their world is like. You're listening to a podcast now, so subscribe to other podcasts that are listed as appealing to their age group. Get yourself on YouTube and watch vlogs from kids of their age and older as well, because that's the world that they're going to be moving into. Spend time watching what they do, obviously without them seeing it too much, but learn the language that they use. See the things that they do. This will give you an understanding of the world that they're moving into, the world that they now inhabit. And it's important to remember that your goal is to keep connected to them, not to control them. You want to give them all the tools that you are aware of to help them reach their potential. 
Okay, so don't take anything for granted. Continually assess how your relationship is going, how secure they are with themselves as well. Check that they feel you understand them and how much they seem to understand you when you communicate with them. That can be hard because some teenagers seem to go into a communication lockdown when they reach a certain age, but you must learn to keep those channels of communication open. So these are the real measures of how you can stay relevant in their lives. So with that in mind, um, I've thought of tip two as being to learn to listen. Now, listening is very different from hearing. Hearing is just hearing the sounds, hearing the noise. Listening is actually a skill. So it would pay you to learn how to listen. My mum used to say um, when we were kids that we were blessed with twice as many ears as we have mouths and that should give us a clue as to how important listening actually is. I'm sure most of you have heard of the phrase being an active listener. Um, so that's something that you need to think about becoming an active listener. Pay attention to what is being said. Give the speaker your undivided attention, which means putting your phone away. That can be hard for some of us, but put your phone away. Turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off the tablet and make sure you give your child or your teenager, whoever's speaking to you, eye contact. Show them that you're listening. Your body language and gestures will show the speaker how engaged you are in the conversation. And if the opportunity arises, make sure you give some feedback, but not judgment and respond appropriately to the things they're saying. Try not to give advice to them unless it's asked for. Try to avoid giving personal examples. I have a tendency to do this a lot and I have to make a conscious effort not to continually give personal examples of what happened to me, but to make sure that I'm only giving advice when I'm asked to and to make sure that I'm still tuned in to what's being said. Because listening means listening. It doesn't mean talking. It means actually listening so that the person you're listening to knows that they are being listened to. As I said, it's quite a skill. So tip three, invest some of your time in learning how to ask open questions. What's an open question if you don't already know? Well, it requires a little bit more thought. It's not just a simple yes or no or maybe. Asking open questions allow the other person the opportunity to give more information. And that information can include how they feel, um, what their attitude is to something, their understanding of whatever you're talking about. It allows more insight into true feelings and ideas. So you can explore that a lot more and get a lot more information out of it. Asking open questions allows the conversation to flow with the aim of the conversation expanding. Again, it's another skill. It's not something that comes easy to some people. So you have to take time to learn how to do it. it takes time to perfect it. Keep plugging away at it and it will become second nature to ask open questions instead of 
the opposite, which is a closed question, which will prompt just a straight yes or no. It takes a lot to get teenagers to talk sometimes and it's very easy for them to say yes or no and that's exactly what you want to try and avoid. So just keep plugging away and learning that skill of asking open questions. Okay, so we live in a busy, crazy world. I know my world is busy, crazy. And I would hazard a guess that yours is busy too. So tip four, my tip four anyway, is to make yourself available. It's very difficult in this busy, busy world we live in, almost impossible to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week for anyone. And maybe it's not a good idea to do that anyway. I don't know that that's a healthy way to be. If we try to be available all hours of the day and night, we're going to end up feeling guilty that we've missed out on something or we've missed being something or we've missed doing something. We're going to end up feeling guilty at some point. We certainly don't need to add guilt to the list of emotions that we feel when we're dealing with children and we're raising our children. So make it a point each day to focus solely on your kids without distractions from the television, computers, phones, work, shopping, washing, ironing, whatever it might be. Take some time to spend and focus just on your kids. Dedicated quality time opens and keeps open the lines of communication. This becomes more important when your kids get older as they can potentially face heavy issues, um, especially at school, such as bullying. A lot of teenagers go through anxiety issues and obviously as they're getting older, their moods change. So if you've got dedicated quality time with them where you can communicate openly, I'm not saying that they're going to necessarily want to communicate with you, but you're giving them that opportunity and that option and it just makes it easier could be something simple like taking the dog out for a walk together or something like that. It's just that time that you have together and they know that is super important. Tip five, set some clear boundaries. Okay, so whilst it may be tempting to be friends with your child first and foremost, what I would say good parents in inverted commas, respect that there is a parent-child hierarchy Children thrive where there's structure in their lives and rules help them create that structure. I believe supportive parents and adults set clear rules with equally clear consequences. And importantly, there's a follow through on the discipline when the boundaries are crossed. Having boundaries and consequences helps kids learn responsibility. During the tween years, so in between being a child and a teenager. If you're a supportive adult, you can allow your children to be part of the decision-making process about what constitutes reasonable rules and consequences because when they buy into that, then they go and do something that crosses the line. They know exactly what the consequences are going to be because they've helped set those rules and consequences in place. Okay, so that was five tips that we went through. I'm going to give you one extra one, which I think is really important, and that's to make time to play. Young people have limited opportunities in this world to play freely anymore. You know, when they were smaller, probably I know with my son under the age of about eight, 
they would play at every opportunity. It's a well-known fact that playtime helps them to become creative, it builds strength, it gives them agility, it produces good hormones in their brain, lots of endorphins. They learn to be inventive, they learn to share, they become totally engaged in whatever the playtime is about, whether that's just playing with a ball or they're out on a bike or they've made up a game or it's just a make-believe thing. But as they get older, sadly other things eat into their precious playtime. Homework is one thing, extracurriculum activities, um, they're all very important and necessary but the time for play is sadly reduced. By the time the teenage years arrive, playing isn't the done thing. That ain't cool to go out playing. One of the teachers at the school that I work in, uh, she takes her students outside when the weather is dry. It's not always warm. I do live in the UK, as I've said before, but it can be dry. I live in the south, so we get a lot of dry weather. She teaches science, so she splits her kids' class up into teams and they have to answer questions relevant to the topic that they're studying at the time. So science-based questions in her case. If they answer correctly, they might be able to do something like score a goal against the other team or score a basket against the other team or they have to run between bases. And she's very clever in doing this because she engages their brain she has their attention. They absolutely love these sessions because they can play. They know that if they get the questions right, then they're going to have a chance to run around or kick a ball or shoot a hoop or something like that. And it's been noted by the senior leaders in the school that the grades of these particular classes that this teacher teaches, their grades have improved massively without the kids actually realising that they are learning whilst they're playing. They're so much more focused, not only in her class, but usually in the lesson that follows. So it's a win-win and the teacher afterwards hasn't had to do very much at all. Now our own, we've got a son, he's a preteen. So our own preteen loves nothing more than going over to the local park with one of us so we can kick a ball around or go to the beach and skim stones in the sea or take his bike out with us uh, for a long bike ride. I should say one of his favourite activities actually is picking up a ball. We've got quite a long lounge in our house and picking up a ball and just standing at one end of the lounge and throwing it to either me or my husband, whoever happens to be there. He'll stand and do that for quite a long time until we've said, no, that's enough, let's go on and get, get on and do something else now. But whatever it is, and we might suffer with a few aches and pains afterwards, the payoff of spending time playing with your child is a more focused child in all areas of his life. So we've been through five tips with one extra. Um, and those five tips were remember to stay relevant in their lives. Learn the skill of listening Learn how to ask open questions so you can draw more information out of um, your kids. Remember to make yourself available, not all of the time and not to the detriment of your own relationships and goals, but to make sure that there is time when they know that you are available. 
Make sure you set some clear boundaries with clear consequences if those boundaries are crossed. And your bonus tip was to make time to play. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed those five tips plus one extra, five extra tips for raising successful entrepreneurs, having successful entrepreneurs in your family. Um, It's a short podcast today. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please remember to subscribe and promote and follow me on Facebook. There's going to be an Instagram page soon and Twitter. I've got a page up there. So please follow me on all of those social platforms. Let me know if you want any certain topics covered and I'll do my best to make sure that we facilitate that because I want this to be a podcast that grows because it's relevant to everybody listening. It's not just for little children. It is for children who are entrepreneurial. So how does a family deal with that? It is for parents who want to have children to grow up thinking in an entrepreneurial way. So whatever is relevant to you as a family, please let me know and we'll see how we can facilitate that on the podcast. So thanks for listening and remember how you encourage your child today to do something is going to make a difference to their tomorrow. What are you doing today to raise your kids in a successful way?